going to continue exploring uh, this book. It's an incredible passage. Uh, Bible scholars consider one of the most powerful uh, passages in all of Scripture, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Uh, it shows the, uh, uh, the humility, the deity, the sacrifice, the service of Christ. And so uh, it's all about humility uh, and what that would look like in our lives. And so if you're able to stand to your feet, I'm going to invite you to stand. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. I'll read the odd verses. If you could read the even verses, that would be great. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and we had become a man. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Father, thank you that we're here, and thank you for everybody watching online. We ask you today to speak to us through the scripture. We pray that uh, you would open the eyes of our understanding, open the eyes of our hearts, and help us to, to see what you want us to see from the passage. And as we open the scripture, I pray it would be buried deep in our hearts, that you would press your truth deeply into us. I pray that we would be overwhelmed and have a sense of awe of what Christ has done for us. May your word resonate and resound within us. We pray that you would do this and more in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, saying. So a little bit about Philippians. If you're new, uh, the title of the message is A Portrait of Humility. A Portrait of Humility in the, in the Life of Christ. So Philippians is the audience. Paul is the author. Uh, he is in uh, house arrest. And so the saints in Philippi, those separated under God, were going to receive the letter. So it was, it was meant to be read from beginning to end then. And so we want to read, do the same thing now. The passage demonstrates the, really the epitome of humility and selfless serving. I really think it's an important, timeless message because we live in a culture, I think you would agree, that's all about me, myself, and I. Can we agree on that? It's all about pretty much you all the time. And that's what people live. And if you think about it, well, that's what you grow up with. You're your little, little, little guy, little girl. You're going to grow up to be a teenager that it's all about you all the time. And then you're going to grow up to be a young adult that it's all about you. You're going to be a selfish young adult, a selfish parent, selfish grandparent, selfish great-grandparent. And so there's an opportunity to, to, to disrupt that pattern that happens in, in culture. And you think about it, like even like uh, social media, uh, porn, uh, it teaches people to be selfish. And so, uh, and, and who's going to tell you, who's going to tell you the truth uh, about life for example, on this, it's sex was created by God in heaven and not by Hollywood. And, 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 uh, but people grow up to learn to take to the uh, very selfish uh, uh, mindset about sex. And so, uh, and if you're a young person here and you want to have a relationship, I think you need to learn this passage. If you're, uh, you know, young or you're in relationship world, you need to, to, to understand this passage here. Because if you, for example, you're a guy and you want a relationship with a woman or a, a younger woman and want to have a relationship with a guy, uh, you need the passage because uh, all the research shows that uh, when we're all about ourselves, it does not work. Arrogance, pride, even trying to hide it, it doesn't work. So today's passage here can really change the trajectory 
of your life. And I don't say that uh, lightly in any way. Um, you can be asking the question rather than how is everybody going to serve me, uh, maybe as a young person, teenager, young adult, well, well, how can I serve my generation? How can I serve my fellow students? And so uh, as we, we go through this here, uh, we're going to unpack four points about how you can be like Jesus, four points that we have for you. But uh, uh, what we're going to do here, we're going to look at the overarching theme, and I'm almost done with the introduction, but I want to talk about how uh, when you are subtly proud or arrogant, it works against you. It completely works against you. And ultimately what it does, Harvard University, nine studies that have been done on this, nine smart people, white jackets, have shown that when you are, are even subtly arrogant or proud, it only lowers your stature in their eyes. So there it is if you want to, to look at the, one of the studies here. And it's interesting that in the past several years that a term has been developed uh, because it's so prevalent in culture now. It's called humble brag. They had to come up with a name for it because it's so prevalent in culture. And uh, because of the rise of social media and all, where you appear humble, like you got the veneer of humble there, but in reality, you're just, it's self-promotion, it's all about you, and people are trying to make a good impression there, but it, the, the bottom line is it's ineffective at demonstrating the specific trait that people are trying uh, to promote when they're doing humble brags. So the, the conclusion there, you can see that humble bragging from Harvard, this is what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, but a distinct and ineffective self-presentation strategy. Like it doesn't work. Jesus proved that. 2,000 years ago. So Harvard University found that uh, no matter what kind of humble brag that you use, it does not work here. And so um, anyway, so for, I want to give you some examples here. Uh, these are examples of celebrities who were called out for their humble brags, uh, where they're really, the reality is like they're really conceited, but they're kind of trying to come off in like sort of a subtle way. And I want to point this out, but you can do the same thing in your spiritual life. Exactly the same thing. Just uh, uh, you're bragging, you know, about, you know, yeah, yesterday, you know, it was really hot, but I spent 14 hours in the Word, and, you know, uh, I wish I could share with you all the things I learned. Anyway, so, but here's some, these are real cases. So here, this gal, Patty Stranger. Why is it that men always tell me I'm beautiful when I don't have a stitch of makeup on? So crazy. So humble. Okay, next one. I just stepped on gum. Thank you for sharing that, that you just stepped on gum. Who spits gum on a red carpet? In other words, I'm on the red carpet, and you jokers and you losers, you're not on the red carpet, and don't spit your gum on the red carpet where all the important people are. So uh, next one here. So for the third time in three years, I've been asked to speak at Harvard, but yet... I've yet to speak at my alma mater. What's a girl got to do at Marquette U? What a shame you haven't been invited to Marquette U to speak. And this one here, I just did something very selfless. Okay, just want very selfless. Okay, but more importantly, I was genuine when I did something very selfless. And I know what it means to a lot to a person in the long run. Hashtag so worth it. So worth it, okay? So uh, just a few illustrations of where culture is at today. So a portrait of humility. So here it is. Now, Paul, he's spinning off. 
He's spinning off these unbelievable points and statements about humility from the life of Christ. One commentator said this, in the whole canon of scripture, this paragraph stands out in almost unapproachable majesty. So here's Paul, he's going off on how Jesus left heaven, came to the earth here. And so we look at verse five, it says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, what follows in this passage has application to all of us. Okay, no, there's no one in escape, escapes this. Uh, if you're new to church, this is what it would look like if you were to become a Christ follower. So uh, it says, adopt the same attitude. In other words, this is expected of you. It's expected of you, and you can follow the example of Christ in your attitudes. Another translation says, let this mind be in you or have this mindset that also Christ had. And so let this mind be in you. That is the message this morning here. I'm going to talk about four things to let the mindset be in you. So what does it mean then to, to have the mind of Christ? Well, four specific ways to do it is one, Jesus had the mindset that he was willing to sacrifice. Number two, he had the mindset and attitude that he was willing to be a servant. Number three, he was willing to submit to God the Father. And number four, he was willing to suffer. So we're going to unpack those four points there. So Paul says, look, I'm going to give you a picture of Christ Jesus and how humility came to expression in his life. And then he says later on, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so a mindset of humility unto who? Well, your friends, your spouse, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your co-workers, uh, you name it. So this is to be your life here. So it has pervasive application. And the scripture is incredibly clear of the centrality of humility in the life of a Christ follower. So Jesus said, for everyone, for everyone that exalts themselves shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. And then the half-brother of Jesus, James, said this, humble yourselves before, uh, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And finally, then Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he said, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you, watch, watch, in due time or in proper time. Some people are like, you know, being humble here, and, and what, what about this exalting and being lifted up in due time, in proper time, in God's time there? So let's continue in Philippians chapter 2. Let this, be, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Or another translation, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now watch what's happening here. Jesus did not consider his heavenly position and his equality with God as something that he had to grasp to and cling to and hold on to. No, equality with God in the original language means Jesus then was exactly equal with God. So why is he going to cling to something that is actually equal to God there. So uh, it's not like Jesus is viewing equality with God. That, you know, if I, maybe if I reach out and I grasp for it and I hold tight and I clutch it, that, that's not what he's talking about here. So Jesus did not have to get equality with God. He had that. And so he's not grasping at, at uh, Godhood. It says, though he was God, 
Okay, he is God. He's equal to God, always existed as God, unto him who was and is and is to come. Okay, he's eternal. He was the embodiment of God in the flesh here. So Jesus, when he became man, he was not any less God than before he was on earth. So Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. You know, drew quite a response from the crowd. I and my Father are one. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and said, he is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. God wrapped in skin. So let this mind be in you. Uh, Verse 7 here shows us this. The mindset, first of all, number one, that you're to adapt, you're to adopt, you're to assimilate, uh, you're to try to lean into, and is this. Jesus was willing to sacrifice. Jesus was willing to sacrifice. So my question to you is, like, what are you willing to sacrifice? You know, some people want everybody to make the sacrifices for them, and they kind of expect that kind of an attitude. But what are you willing to sacrifice? Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said, present yourselves as like a living sacrifice. That's like your reasonable lifestyle, your reasonable worship. And so what would that look like? Well, here, verse 7. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Okay, another translation reads, instead he gave up his divine privileges or prerogative, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. So watch, this is an incredibly profound statement that he emptied himself. Think about that. The creator of the universe empties himself. It literally means to pour out until all is gone. So there is God pouring out on the earth in the form of Jesus, pouring out everything until all is gone. But there's nothing left to pour out. The creator emptying himself here. And so now Jesus did not empty himself of his deity. He did not empty himself of being God. He did not empty himself of his his attributes here. But he, there is an emptying himself now when he has when he has God has skin on when he takes on humanity. And so and think about it. Think about this. Jesus in heaven has a perfect setup in heaven, like no drama, no hardship, no pain, no sorrow, no cross bearing. Angels in heaven worshiping twenty four seven, and yet he leaves that, empties himself, and God becomes flesh and dwells among us. And Jesus chooses then to voluntarily sacrifice heaven to come down to earth. I want us to, to recognize what is happening is he's going down. It's a downward pathway uh, of mobility, not an upward trajectory, but downward. So here he is, comes from heaven to earth, and he's born in poverty, born in obscurity. The peasant teenage parents there living in a town that people joked about. Can anything good thing come out of that? joke of a town of Nazareth, and we see that Jesus empties himself here by taking on the nature of a servant. Look at the next verse here. And he gave up his divine privileges, watch, by assuming the form, morphe, of a servant. And so uh, this is what people saw. They saw Jesus. They looked at him. They, they saw, they don't, they're not looking and saying, everybody's going like, yeah, I mean, some people, are, yeah, that's God. No, that's a servant right there. Uh, that's Joseph's son. That's the carpenter there. So Jesus watched. He walked away from his heavenly position 
and stepped into the sovereign shoes of a servant. So uh, he emptied himself and let this mind be in you. What would it look like for you to empty yourself? And so, uh, so number one here, Jesus is willing to sacrifice, to empty himself, to be poured out to the very last drop, to the very last drop. So where are you at? One thing to hear about it, but, but how does this intersect with your life? Are you willing okay, to adopt the mindset of Christ and to present yourself as a living sacrifice? Let this mind be in you, friends. Number two, the second mindset we, that we see that we're to adopt if we're going to be like Christ is not only the willingness then to be sacrificial, but to be a servant. It says he appeared in human form. I mean, we're talking about the God of the universe here showing up in human form. When Jesus appeared in human form in the most humble of circumstances, uh, among the most, the most common ears of, of people, God in human form eating what they ate, God in human form drinking what they drank, God in human form raised by teenage parents, being made fun of their because of where he was from, God in human form here, now uh, uh, taking on humanity. And so let this mind be in you of this. Jesus took the humble position of a servant. I just wonder, like, what about you? Like, how much are you willing to serve? Like, you can say it with your mouth. Oh, yes, I'm a servant and all that. But in your mind, you can have an attitude like, "Ah, that's below me. That's beneath me. I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't have time for that. And really, you can say one thing with your mouth, but in your heart and in your life, really live another. Like, in light of what Christ did, how much are you willing to serve? The question is, uh, do I look to be served or do I serve? And do I see myself as above certain tasks? Uh, Do I have an attitude like, that is just so beneath me? Or do I have an attitude of like, Jesus, if that's it, you know, uh, whatever it takes, I'll do that in your name. So now we're going to talk about Jesus. Remember, it's a downward pathway of mobility. So countercultural. Goes from heaven to earth now. Now from earth to be a servant. And now from a servant to dying. Jesus keeps going downward. So watch the downward step here. He sacrificed. He served. Now verse 8. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even the death of a cross. So he humbles himself. Like, like what a statement that the God of the universe now is humbling himself. How far did it go? How far did like this humility deal go with Jesus? This is how far it went. Incomprehensible humility. Say, a humility beyond human comprehension. It says, hey, you know what? But as much as you can get this mind in you, follow what he did there. Being obedient to the point of death. So Paul goes to great lengths to show the ultimate display of his humility uh, that Jesus died uh, for us. Now, that's like like really super big news there. But then he says, even to the point of death. In other words, uh, Jesus now is taking another step. He's not just dying. Now he's taking another step downward, okay? Uh, Another downward step of humility, Willing to submit his will here to the will of the Father. So number three here, let this mind be in you, submitting your will to the will of the Father there. 
So again, I would ask the question, like how submissive are you? Are you strong-willed? You don't have to answer, don't elbow. Are you strong-willed? If you're strong-willed, it's hard for you to submit. I am very strong-willed. I want my way all the time. All the time I want my way. It's very difficult for me to submit. It's been that way my whole life. And so, uh, uh, so, but how much are you willing to submit? How how submissive are you in terms of relationships? How submissive are you in terms of your uh, your superiors? How submissive are you if you're married uh, with your husband or your wife here? So Jesus now, okay, he humbled himself and the humility take him further downward there to submit to death, even the death on the cross. As if to say, Paul is now saying like, wait a second, time out. Time out, you gotta, you gotta get your mind around what this is. Even the shocking feature of Jesus' ultimate humiliation on a cross. As if to say, look, this is the bottom of, this is the lowest of, uh, that can go. This is the end of the line. Not just death, but death on a cross, crucifixion, excruciating, embarrassing, degrading, painful, cruel, humiliating, uh, reserved for slaves, reserved for the worst among the criminals. The Romans that that began with the Persians, but the Romans that that carried this out, they wouldn't even crucify other Romans. It was so despicable. So this is the ultimate in human degradation because there was the one crucified hanging in the sky, stark naked, with nails driven through their hands and feet, the object of of mockery there. So much so that the ancient writers said this. They said, to die on a cross is to die a thousand deaths before your final breath. The pain was unimaginable. The suffocation of the organs of the body, having to stretch up to get air uh, in the the ripped open back going against the, the rough wood, like, you know, somewhat you know, somewhat like that. So the pain pulsating through the body uh, was more than could be conceived there. Hanging in utter disgrace, okay, and humiliation and shame and nakedness. And there's Jesus dying a painful death, a shameful death here. Crucified, suspended in space, naked. Uh, you know, and there's, there's the crowd gazing and gasping and mocking at him. Jesus came all the way down from heaven to earth, from earth to a slave, from a slave to the cross, from the cross uh, to, 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 to die as a criminal on a cross there. And so he died a criminal's death on a cross. Now watch. So Jesus has gone from a place where he could go no higher. Like he's at the pinnacle of that. Then he goes to a place where he can go no lower. He dies his criminal death, and so there is nothing lower in Roman culture than a Roman cross. So the selfless one takes on the sin of humanity. The holy one takes on our unholiness. The righteous one taking on all of our unrighteousness. And so he emptied himself for you. And so I want to bring that personally. Like he emptied himself to the very last drop for you. By entering our world, where soldiers would, would stand at the foot of the cross and mock him and tear at his beard and beat him. And, oh, and he emptied himself, had a crown of thorns squished onto his head there. He emptied himself by trading uh, his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And I really, all of that to say this. 
And I recognize that's a lot. But when you're, you're moved and you're, you're touched, and you're, maybe you're overwhelmed by what he did for you, when you get a glimpse of, of his humility, and then it says, well, let his mind be in you. Like, that's for you. And so you might think, you might think that God, that Christ would have a breaking point. Through all of that, you think that somewhere along the line, he might, he might say, you know what? Like, enough is enough. Like, I, you know, these people here, I, I, look at them. God, the Father, are they really worth redeeming here? This pathway I'm on is so degrading, so hu- humiliating here. But of course, he did not. And so let this mind, what mind? The mind of sacrifice, the mind of a servant, the mind of submission here. And the last one here is this, let this mind be in you, that he was willing to suffer. So the idea here is that Jesus is willing to suffer to go to the cross so that we could have eternal life. And the question is, if we're going to say that we're like Jesus, are we willing to be inconvenienced and to suffer? How much am I willing to be inconvenienced and to suffer? If you're like me, I don't really like to be inconvenienced. I really don't. I do not like to be interrupted. And, uh, but then you know, they're like, yeah, but this is, you have a sense, this is God, this is a God thing. But how do we respond to that when you're inconvenienced, when you're interrupted there, uh, was there or, you, or you're suffering? So what does it mean then to have the, the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ here? A willingness to adopt an attitude, a mindset, to, to reset, let your mind be renewed, Paul said, Okay, a willingness to sacrifice, a willingness to serve, to submit, and to suffer. Like, well, that's a lot. So what's the reaction to that? What's the response to that? Uh, Here it is. Those three verses talk about Jesus just going down and down and down and down and down. And now the next three, he's going up and up and up. And so, and the blessing is this, because how Jesus humbled himself there was a blessing on the other side of that. I think that when we think about humbling ourselves, especially when somebody's really done you wrong and like you just want to, you know, do anything but be godly, just want to be ungodly. And, and, uh, but there's that tunnel that says humility over it. And if you walk through the tunnel, although it's painful, how painful was it for Jesus? It is painful to, to walk through that tunnel But when you come out the other side, verse 9, 10, and 11, okay, there's blessing attached to that. And so, and the blessing is also for us that we just read about. If we follow Jesus' uh, example, uh, what he did, uh, the same thing is true for you and I. That if you humble yourself, he said, you know, you you uh, you will be blessed. So verse 9 says this, for this reason, for what reason? The reason we just talked about, how he humbled himself, Uh, on a cross, God highly exalted him, gave him a name that's above every name. Therefore, God, another translation, therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, gave him a name that is above every name. Therefore, what is therefore, therefore, therefore connects verse verse 5, 6, uh, 7, and 8 to 9, 10, and 11. They're inseparably linked together. Because of his humiliation, therefore, God exalted him. Uh, 
Therefore, because Jesus so magnificently lowered himself in humility, even to death, even the death on the cross, therefore, God equally magnificently lifted him up. So we see that Christ went so low, and God then made him so high. It says God, watch, highly exalted. It's hooper in the original language there means hyper, which means that to say that God has exalted him to the point he could no longer be exalted any higher. Because of how humble that he was, uh, uh, God not only exalted him, but God super hyper exalted him to the level that there's no higher level of exaltation. So he gave him the name, Lord, the name that is above every name. Lord, kurios, in the New Testament, over 700 times. So, but in the end, uh, he's given a name that is above every name, the name uh, by which everyone will bow there. And so, again, Jesus said, he that humbles themselves will be exalted. Verse 10. And so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, will worship in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, every knee will bow. Uh, uh, that means all creatures, every knee will bow. bow to the whole universe is called to worship. The, the three designations here of those that are in heaven, the saints that have gone before us, okay, the angelic beings uh, shall worship those that are uh, on the earth and those that are under the earth. And so those in heaven, as I mentioned um, those that have gone before us in Christ, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so uh, the angelic beings here, it says in Revelation, watch, and they're crying out. And look at this. They're crying out. And day and night, they never stop. Ceaseless worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so they're there, just continual worship. And then you have the 24 uh, elders there, which um, kind of um, symbolic of people in heaven there. And it is the same thing there as that uh, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever here. So the whole universe uh, will be worshiping there. So, uh, and then, of course, under the earth, the demons, Satan, the demonic hosts there. And so, uh, but I want to bring this to a personal um, uh, application here. Like, what about you? What about you? Either you bow to worship now, but every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Amen. So you would want to do that now rather than later. And so, um, anyway, verse 11. And every one tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue it's not a physical tongue. Uh, it's talking about uh, every language, every human language, every angelic language, all languages, all peoples, all beings, all will acknowledge his lordship. And friends, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Uh, and so that's where uh, we're headed for that day. That all will say Jesus Christ is Lord, Kurios, the sovereign God. Let all the house of Israel know for certain that the Lord made him, that God has made him Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. But to confess is to say the same thing, same thing that God says about Christ. And so uh, there you have it, uh, really uh, one of the, really one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, and I'm honored to be able to share it with you, honored that you were here. Would you please stand to your feet? So, Father, thank you that we're here this morning. Thank you that we got to hear, uh, meet here to hear your word, your truth. Uh, we acknowledge you, Jesus Christ, Lord. We acknowledge you as our Lord, our Messiah. Uh, we bow before you, bow before your lordship. Uh, we confess you, that you are sovereign, that you are God, that you are ruler over everything. Uh, and we choose to submit to you this day. We choose to be servants uh, we choose to um, uh, suffer for you. We choose to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would um, do what only you could do, and you would take uh, your word and light a match, and may it burn in our hearts. I pray you drive your truth deep into our hearts, that we may be mindful of letting this example of Jesus Christ and his humility live within us. In Jesus' name, amen.